You are now listening to an all-new episode of The Last Man Potting. I am your host, Amaya, back this week with my co-host, Steve. Steve, the self-proclaimed Skip Bayless of podcasting. Steve, how the fuck you doing this week? Uh, you be keeping up with the Wu-Tang on Hulu? Hell no. <laughs> I just like, I like a lot I, of I, I think I watched like the first yeah. two episodes and that was, that was all I needed. But you know, I like the stories that's coming out of it. Like I saw a clip. They depicted Ghostface in the shootout with the Delphonics. So I was just looking up when he told the story on, on Drake's Chips, and it just gave me a good laugh. As he tells the story, he says, you know, I'm saying a whole bunch of times or whatever. He's just like, he's like, yeah, you know, we ride around the bed, you know what I'm saying? You know, can't play games. So I, I just start shooting that ball. It's like, so I've got the Delphonics in the shootout. Requires just in this the Delphonics. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, we, we might hit that song that night. See, I just think, like, the impulsiveness of just, like, you are doing in the studio to do business, and it's like, I have to shoot this guy, even though, like, the people I'm about to do business with is, like, in the it's back like, of It's it. like, who is he, Wade Brady? Like, you like, you just, it's like, wait a second, there's that bitch that owes me money. Like. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yo, he, he, like the way he told the story. He did, he's like, yeah, I didn't even say sorry to these things until I got back to the studio. He's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. He's, he's like, that's how you blush. I knew I should bought my knife. <laughs> like it's just a wild story. Though. You got to look it up. Yeah, no, I, I, I never, I never heard that one. But um, the legend of Ghostface grows, I guess. The, the mythology of Ghostface. It's like, yeah. A shootout with the Delphonics. That's the song with the after the smoke is clear. I remember you, that's more uh, tracker music, right? Like I gotta make my tracker playlist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was that was back in the tracker days. Like the, the tracker uh, days. Yeah, like a, 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 like the what, what was that joint? Iron Man. Yeah, like Iron yeah, Man and after uh, the smoke is clear. Yeah, right, they, they got heavy rotation back in those days. Yeah, I gotta make my tracker playlist. It's definitely uh summertime in the colors that nineteen ninety seven by Dom. Like, Oh yeah, I, I gotta make my track. Yeah, that, that was, those, those are those are good times. Those are those right, good right. times. Like just riding around making false moves. Like, like what you used to call flop to Friday parties? The flop Friday night. Oh yeah, yeah Friday night flops. It was like a it was like a tradition. You go to the house parties and be done, but like ugly fat chicks in there. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know somehow I would make it home and make some spaghetti hungover. Like it's good, good times. Yeah, is that too much to say? Ugly fat chicks on YouTube is that? I mean, I think as long as you don't curse, you're okay on YouTube. Right. But you're like, no, no, they change the rules every day because they they can find a way to keep all of the money. It's actually a great scheme when you think about it because YouTube doesn't make anything, but they yeah. make money off of the content that you produce. Yeah. I guess as long as I don't say nothing bad about Lizzo, I guess it works, right? Yeah, I think Ari Spears said everything that needs to be said. <laughs> ah, that's, that's a, you, 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 you see that didn't help his career out too much. Like, they got him out the paint, what was it, three weeks later? Yeah, well, the, the difference between me, me and Ari Spears is that I'm handsome, so. Is, is that the thing that was holding Aries back? I think, I think so. I thought it was that he wasn't funny, but all right. <laughs> Like if if you think it's his looks, fair enough. Like, <laughs> like if you think he's better looking, he would have got them jokes off. I guess. Like, yeah, definitely. You can do anything with your hands. But um, you know, 
we we got a lot we got a lot to talk <laughs> about this week. You know, we're we're ending self help month on the podcast, and uh, you know the, this new book club that we've started. We uh, you know book slash movie club. I think this might be the first one in existence. We we're, we're doubling up on y'all. So this week we wanted to talk about um, the Dao De Jing and Birdman, the uh, the um, ancient. Chinese wisdom literature that is the Dao De Jing and the 2014 movie Birdman because I thought like they had like a lot of stuff in common but um before we got into that um how we arrived at talking about the this book and this movie was we were talking about this idea of celebrity and what it means and that you know sometimes you hear these wild stories about celebrities like you know you get Ghostface dumping out the car with the Delphonics in the back seat. And then you hear stories about how when Michael Jackson walks in a room, he says, everybody has to turn around. So, you know, I, I think it's like oh, this weird thing in society that, you know, people prop up these celebrities like they, you know, they follow their every move, their their personal relationships, their career moves, all of this type of stuff. And like that ego the celebrity sometimes soaks it up and like they just become like the like you know Will Smith one time said he's not a person he's an idea and I, I think like when you start believing your own hype in that way you know a lot of weird shit can happen and um the way I saw us like talking about this on the podcast was this uh show that the weekend has coming out you know I'm, I'm looking for shit to watch the other day and uh, HBO has a trailer for this weekend show the idol which is about him the weekend running a cult and he's like takes this young pop star under his influence and you watch the trailer and it's like by the people that brought you euphoria and all of that and you can tell there's going to be a lot of sex and drugs and all of this shit so like the story behind the show has been that they brought in Amy Simons to direct it and they had like a 54 million to 75 million dollar budget and they got like 80 percent done the weekend wasn't satisfied with her vision because he said it was leaning too much into the female perspective he, he said they needed to ramp up the sex and debauchery and um you know when you watch the trailer to the show it says it's brought to you by the sick and twisted minds of uh the weekend who's going by like his real name abel and um, the guy that made Euphoria, like th this weekend shit, like, you know, saying that he wanted the show to just show debauchery and sex and all of these things. And it, it just seems like it's a uh, vehicle for him to, you know, get his shit off the same shit he's talking about in his songs and whatnot. Um, what, what do you what do you think of that? Like of just like, you know, you're being you're a celebrity, you're involved in this project, you're you created it, you developed it. Other people are putting up the money. You get 80% done and you say, no, nah. like that, that, that's not what I wanted. And you say, no, like, let me bring this guy in, this Sam Levinson guy, so we can turn up the sex and, you know, like make our own like little playground, for lack of a better word. I love the flex. Like, you know, if they're going to allow him to do that, like you said, if they put the money up, it's like, why not? You know, it's, it's, it's a complete flex. It's a complete player move. And it's like, why would somebody like that hate that? You know, why would somebody like me hate that? I'd do the exact same thing. It's like, look, no, let's tear it down. Like, and let's do what I wanted to do. You didn't do it right. 
it's time to redo it. So I love it. Shout out to Weekend. But you also said the show looks like kind of looks like a mess. Uh, yeah, I, it, it looked like you said they spent what you know it was the eighty billion or whatever. It, it looked flashy. It looked shiny as hell. <laughs> it looked they spent every penny on making it look shiny. But I mean, in regards to like uh, what it was, like I said, it's hard to tell in a preview. But you know, it kind of like some bullshit off top, like just looking at it. But you know. It's probably for his audience more than anything. Like he's probably not looking for a guy like me. I'm still looking for the science guy uh, show. So, this <laughs> the science guy. Yeah, like, when you go be um, my a science guy. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're gonna be waiting a long time for the for the science I, I, guy I, to premiere, especially I, I on HBO. So. Like, like the science guy starring <laughs> a black guy. Like that, that's not coming anytime soon to a theater <laughs> near you. What's considered art now, and like, what, like, what's what's the statement that you're trying to make? Are you just trying to get the weekend's audience to watch a TV show, or are you trying to make an artistic statement? Because it does seem like HBO tries to make art and like let artists do what they want to do with their TV shows. Because you see some ex- ob- some obscure shit in some of these HBO shows, but at the same time, I'm like watching this and. It doesn't seem like it's doing anything different than Euphoria. It, it almost goes back to last week when we we're talking about the Fifty Cent universe. Right. It's, it's like every show is about the same exact topic. It's drug dealing. You just change the setting a little bit. This show just seems like the same thing as Euphoria. It's just sex, and instead of high school, it's sex and drugs in high school. Now it's sex and drugs in Hollywood. It's like, do we need this? Like, is it important? Like, what's the value of this as art? Or is it purely just, you know, people are into the weekend, you know, he's still selling out Coachella or whatever the hell he's doing. And we, we need we need to be part of that business. And it might be some of that. And maybe they've seen uh, the success that the 50 Cent universe has had. Like, it, it would be wild if we get a weekend universe. It's like, what do we get? We get spin off by some orgy chick or something, like some Bordeaux chick or something. Because you're the one that told me the Michael Jackson story. Like, how do you think it goes from, you know, you're the weekend, you come in and you you say, scrap this project, fuck how much you guys spent on it, we're doing it my way, to, yo, I'm about to walk in the room, and I'm going to send my security in the room beforehand and tell everybody to turn around before I walk in. <laughs> like, where, where, where do you think, like, that line comes in at? Like, j- just like we do, like, we're doing a podcast right now, that takes a little bit of ego to do to say somebody needs to hear what me and you have to say, like, and that they're going to find what me and you say entertaining. So like, that's a level of it. Right. Mm. But like, so you get like the weekend, he puts out his music, he goes on stage, people listen to that shit. Now you say, you know what? I got to get this Hollywood shit off. Then I think the level above that is people can't look at me anymore. Like, it, like it's just ego just keeps growing, growing, growing until it just becomes like this balloon thing. And you're Will Smith. You're like, I, I, I'm an idea. I'm not a person. And I need to slap Chris Rock right now. Yeah. Like I, I like I, I think like that's the the slow trajectory that just happens over the course of time. Like when it comes to ego and celebrity and all of that. Like, does that make any sense, or or am I just off on a tangent? I mean, it could be, you know, I, I, I guess at some point, you know, 
Well, for one, Chris Rock is very slappable, though. You, you do have to agree with that. It's like just like that feral body and this like that voice and just that projection. It's like, you know, I, I kind of wanted to slap him after that comedy special. I see. I was like, yeah, I kind of see why Will Smith uh, did that. Yeah, that was bad. That that is a lot though. It's like that. Like shout out to DJ Quick. He had told that story that uh, they was in the studio. And Michael Jackson was coming. I guess they was in the lobby or whatever. And the security told him, like, "Yo, you got to turn around." Like he said, "I just heard a little tap dancing shoes." Like like just screaming. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's like everybody. I, see, it's hard for me to even like. You gotta talk to one of those guys because like. You know, it's hard for me, like, as a broke nigga that just, like, live in, the, like, a dusty room. Like, it would be hard for me to be, like, you know, because I guess everybody on your dick or whatever, like, you know, you might start feeling that. It's like, yo, yeah, don't look at me, young boy. Like, you just in here. Just keep going. <laughs> like, so who was who in there? Who in there? Like, yo, some niggas, they can't look at me. They dusty. Like, <laughs> like. So, well, I think that's a good way to look at it, though, because, like, like you said, you're in the exact opposite position. Right. You think that you could get a, get to a point where you go from where you're at now because you're a comedian. Let's just say your your comedy takes off. Do you could you see yourself a year from now? Like, what would it take for you a year, two years, three years from now to be walking in the room and say, yo, tell them dusty niggas turn around for I walk in. No, see, like, but that's not even my personality now. Like, I don't. I can't really envision that though. Like, it's like for what? Like, what do I get out of that? Like, tell them dusty. Like, that's just disrespect. Tell them who talks to people like that. So dusty niggas. Well, like, that's why I think it's so fascinating because it's also you said DJ Quick and them did turn around, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not turning around. I don't give a fuck who's walking through the door. Like that's that's craziness. Yeah, that's, like, that's not how, how that would works. you react to that situation? Yeah, that's not how that works. It's like you gotta turn around. Like, like you're gonna mess around and like, you can't use the studio no more or something. Like it is going. Right, I'm, well, sure. I'm not gonna use the studio. Yeah, like no. because I, I'm not bowing down to you just because you made Billie Jean. Like I don't even like that song. I, so I, like, I, like who, who are you to be? I'm sure. I'm sure there's consequences of not turning around. So like. You gonna you gonna you gonna make a ruckus? You gonna fight one of his bodyguards or something? Like, there's just no need to. Like, it's just like yo, just just do it. And like, it's two seconds. Like, there's no need no, to make a ruckus. You're, you're defined by what you by what you're willing to tolerate. And I no, I'm not willing to tolerate that level of because now you now yeah. you're putting this guy above you, and it's not like really. you're not more important I, to me. Like. Like I, I don't care if you're the queen of England or none of that shit. Like I'm not turning around when you I walk think, in the room. Who I think it's you? just it's just certain stuff where it's just like is is this even worth the battle? Like I didn't want to wear a mask in a store, but it's like I just did it because I'm trying to get my stuff and get out. So it's like it, I guess it just depends on what battle you're willing to fight. Uh, it's just like I'm just like all right, whatever. Nigga. I'll hurry up, do this real quick, and get back to business. Like it just depends on how much business I had to do that day and trying to get in and get out. Like. I don't think it's that serious, in my opinion. Fair enough, because no, <laughs> like, but but like no, because you also hear the stories of R. Kelly on the on the um, best of both worlds tour, and Jay Z's guy had to had to pepper spray him, yeah, for, for acting like that, yeah, like all that bougie shit and like all that celebrity shit, so. No, like, I, I agree with that. Like, I think if Michael Jackson says turn around, well, you know, he's dead. But 
like, you know, some celebrity nigga comes in and says, yo, y'all niggas got to turn around before I walk in the room. Like, the correct response is to pepper spray that nigga. It's like, no, like, who do you think you are? Yeah, you go and pepper spray, you go get stopped out. Like, it, it's a difference between Top having... Top get stopped out. Like, yeah, because Jay-Z like, had his back. Yeah, Jay-Z had his yeah, back. Like, That's why. R. Like, Kelly you, learned respect after that situation. Yeah, because yeah, you're not going to start a war with Jay-Z while you're on tour. Like, like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust R. Kelly's guys like that. Like that, he's going to win that war. So R. Kelly probably did the right thing. Just take that pepper spray in. Like, you're not going to go to war with Michael Jackson. Like, Michael Jackson got too many resources. No, pepper spray oh. Michael Jackson. That'd be a wild story in the papers, though. Like, pepper spray Michael Jackson. You're a wild boy. Like, oh, pepper spray Michael Jackson. Like, see if you survive that. Like, you you'd have been like that movie the casino and it just bury you in the middle of the desert like <laughs> yeah, toss some dirt on him. Don't play that shit. I think it would have Billy G all over your face. You would have did that well, joke. Like, maybe pepper spray is is extreme, but I also think it's extreme to ask another adult male. To turn around when you walk in the room, so that's one of the wildest stories I've heard. <laughs> like, we're gonna have to see who who's more attached to this idea right. of, of respect, because like I'm I'm not taking that. Like me, me and the uh me and the bodyguard can just have a sturdy off right then and there and, and see who wins. I'm not sturdy off with no Michael Jackson bodyguards. Like I'm good. Like yeah, because like like. If you ever heard Possible Pat, like Possible Pat used to be a bodyguard for celebrities and shit. Yeah. And one day he was in the studio. Niggas asked, like they was doing a push-up comp competition. Niggas asked him to do some push-ups. He couldn't even do no push-ups. Like, yeah. so like a lot of these bodyguard <laughs> niggas just be big. Like, like, and then like if you look at Possible Pat now, he's actually in shape. So right. like a lot of them guys just be getting paid to be big. Like, no, no man, I'm not turning around for I don't give a fuck who's coming through the door. Like let, let's figure yeah. it out. Like you gonna make me turn around, big man? Like yeah. no. Yeah. See, see, according to our producer, Michael Jackson's not messing around. Like he would, he'd own you if you would have did that. What he told, like, Mike gonna figure it out. Well, so Mike, Mike, clue us in as to what, why this is in the chat. That this uh, Michael <laughs> Michael Jackson buying Eminem's rights. He's why, he's why is that in your chat. He's letting you know how gangster Michael Jackson is. He would own you if you didn't turn around. <laughs> Ew, you fight with that man, he was too. He owned everything. Like, Mike's not playing. But, but see, like, that, like, that's the exact problem. And we're we going to move on in a second. Yeah. But I think that's the exact problem of giving somebody undue respect just mm. because they have a position whether it's celebrity, whether it's money, whether it's whatever. It's like, if you're in a position and you don't, like, you have to do something to demand the respect. Like, just because you have money, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I, like I'm i not going to respect you just because you have celebrity doesn't mean you have, I, I should respect you. Like, and I don't think that that's an excuse to disrespect other people. So, like, just on a fundamental level, I can't get down with that shit. But I see what yeah. y'all are saying. Like, yeah, maybe it's the path of least resistance, but no. Yeah, like, well, I, I, went, I went to war with the supervisor for the same exact reason. And we see how that worked out for me, so. 
Yeah, but you like you had to stand on your principles because if you yeah. didn't, you would still you would be going into work every day like fuck this nigga, and like yeah. that shit turns into a tumor. So it's probably better to just get your shit off and keep it moving. It, it turn, like turn, you didn't die. Either two where you stopping about like, just choking the supervisor out in the in the window section. Like I think there's a thin balance between you know leaving and going Latrell Sprewell. Like you like, like you don't have to choke the coach. Like you can yeah. you can tell the coach like yo fuck you. I don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. Like you can. You can tell Lior, like, Lior, you don't talk to me like that. Or you could be bees and pull the joint out on him. Yeah. Like, there's levels to it. It's just you have to make it clear and establish, like, the parameters. Otherwise, people just going to go too far on you. Yeah. Like, like taking it back to the weekend, if HBO says, look, nigga, we cut, we cut the check. You better figure out how to be happy with this shit. Like, we let you get your shit off. I would have to assume that. It was trash, though. Like, it, it must have had to been trash for them to just scrap it like that. Like, it was probably a bad show. Maybe. But <laughs> then again, they've let some shit make it to the screen that's just horrible. Like, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how it works out. We're definitely going to have to do a review. Oh, So, you know, last week we talked about uh, Suge Knight, and you, you put it in the chat today that, that they are yeah. making this Suge Knight uh, docuseries. He's making it uh, it says he's telling it like the, the it's inspired by 50 Cent's BMF. Mm-hmm. So there, Suge Knight is getting his uh, TV show. Now, a question though, would you rather see the show or like the biopic? I prefer shows, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, if you can flush out. Yeah, like if, if you're going to show somebody's life, I don't see how you really do that in two hours or three hours. Like you're always going to leave something out. Like, yeah. especially if it's, if it's um, you're going to show his career, I think there's a lot of people in the career that you need to show, like, you know, the Tupac era of it. Then you need to show, like, what it was like before Tupac and then after Tupac and then yeah. all of that. Like, those are like three separate sections. And you could probably do a couple episodes on each of those. Yeah, it's like like BP and an AP before Pac and after Pac. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like before Pac, he like you know he he had his shit going, he had his NWA shit and whatever he he was doing. Yeah, he's the bodyguard, he said. Yeah. yeah, and then then it's like you have Tupac, you're on top of the world, and then after you lose Tupac, that's when you know he's straight up jail time. Yeah, see you you talk about bodyguards, you like, you gonna mess with a Shook Knight type of bodyguard, like you get stomped out by Marion Knight. Well. Th- I think it'll be interesting to know, like you said, will they show like the nuance aspect of like him building relationships and actually doing business, or is it just gonna be like a BMF style? He just whooping ass the whole time, like making people eat cake. Like, like hopefully they'll show we'll actually get to see him do some business and not just be like, you know, but they got the guy from um what's the guy that you like that. Which guy did you say you liked to play Shook Knight? Was it the one in All, All Eyes on Me or the Straight Outta Compton one? I like the one in uh, All Eyes on Me a little bit better. Well, I yeah. like the scenes in All Eyes on Me a little bit better. Like when he goes to meet Tupac in the jail, he's talking about manhood and all of that type of stuff. It's like it's kind. It kind of gives him a little bit more color. 
Where right. straight out of Compton, he just, you know, the I think, was it the first scene he pistol whipped somebody? <laughs> and it's just like, all right, this he's just a super villain in those movies. <laughs> like he's not even a person where at least in that movie, they said a little bit of, you know, I'm a man. This is how I conduct my business. And this is this is what I'm saying. And he shakes Tupac's hand. He's like, this is my this is my pen right here. Like, you know, his hand. Yeah. So it's like, at least it gives you an idea of where this guy's coming from, not just, hey, this nigga poofed in my spot. Like, right. You know, like, what is that? Like, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't doing that, but it's like, he had to, He, you have to be, you have to have some business acumen to even get to that level where all of these guys are looking to you as a boss. Right. Like, you know, and and I think that's the interesting thing about Suge Knight that never gets it gets explored. It's like it's not just brute strength and shit like that. Like he had to know a little bit about the intricacies of how record not a little bit. He had to know a lot about the intricacies of how record labels and all of that stuff works to get to that level. And I think they show it slightly like I think in Straight Outta Compton, he's like looking at the contract like that was like the only part. It's like it's like you know this contract's all fucked up. It's like let me do that for you, and then like the rest of the time he's just whooping his ass the whole. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just, but I don't know. I think that's the problem with like movies. Like they're always just gonna you know you're either gonna get those composite characters where you know they're taking multiple people and just molding them into one, yeah. or you get you get such a uh, a limited version of an actual person. And um, I think it's best to just like focus on one one particular portion of a person's life rather than try to tell their whole life story, too, because that's the other problem with some of these movies. It's like that Tupac movie. He goes from being five to being 25 in five minutes of screen time. Yeah. It's like I'm sure there was a lot of stuff in there that shaped who he was as a person. Right. And then because, like you said, they always got to sensationalize it. So it's like. Oh yeah, this is the guy, you know, he beat up all the people, you know, he had sex with all the women. It's like he dunked on everybody and stuff. Like, you know, it's just like they gotta like make it like mythological, I guess, just to kind of like get people in. But it's like, you know, like you said, the nuanced aspect of like what makes this person who they are and the the certain, you know, vulnerable characteristics that will make them a person. It's like that stuff gets like left out and he's just a superhero the whole movie. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's a perfect segue into Birdman, because that, that's exactly what Birdman's about. Birdman, it's... Birdman. <laughs> so Birdman, 2014 movie, Oscar nominated, all that good shit. But um, it's basically this story of this guy played by Michael Keaton. And um, he's he used to be a big star that played this character called Birdman in this franchise. And then his career kind of goes out of notoriety because he stopped playing Birdman. And now he's deciding to make this play. And he's trying to get this play off on Broadway. And he's in this little shitty theater. The play's probably bad. He has He's surrounded by bad actors. He's not good in the play, most likely. And he's like <laughs> hemorrhaging money and all like, like all of this shit. And at the same time, He's wrestling like with his family life and like if he's important and his his significance and all of this other shit that's going on. And the movie, I think, does a good job of approaching like all of these ideas 
and uh, of like, what does it mean to like really be an authentic person? And what does it mean to do something important? And is anything that you do really important? So I, I think the movie's like good at um, approaching all of that, but also entertaining you at the same time. Um, so Steve, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said. It also kind of goes to show you a lot of the mental health issues that like these actors have, or it's like that that Birdman demon character is just talking to him the whole movie. It's like tell him a bunch of like negative things. And like you look at the uh Edward Norton character, it's like he doesn't know how to really be a real person. It's like everything is so much like on the stage. Um, I think like from a plot standpoint, though, it's interesting because like what you said about like that Creed, the main character of Creed. Now, I think the big difference with this uh, movie as opposed to Creed was that all the subordinate characters, uh, they're more well uh, written and more well built around like and how they interact with that character. But like, I think it's the same thing in regards to like, there's really nothing at stake for this guy. It's like at the end of the day, like, you know, like in uh, the dude was even saying it, like the, uh, Mike Rainey or whatever, Mike Shiner or whatever. He's like, yo, if this shit don't work out. You're just going to do a Birdman 4 and like you're going to get the bag or whatever. It's like, it's like, what is he doing this for? It's like, it's similar. It's like, why is he fighting this Damien guy? Like at the very least, the, like you can kind of excuse it. It's like, oh yeah, like the dude was talking shit. It's like, this guy's just doing it just like to try to feel something. It almost seems like so. I think it was hard for me to kind of attach to this character. Where I'm like, you just you doing this shit for no reason, basically. Well, I I think that's the point of the movie, mm-hmm. and the point of the movie is that he doesn't realize that everything that he's doing is futile. Right. But at the same time, he's clearly a person like looking for some deeper meaning in himself. That's why the movie opens up with him meditating, and then it opens up with this these like serene images that in my view is what he's seeing while he's meditating. But then his phone rings and then he starts arguing with his daughter and then the Birdman voice all comes in. And it's like, all of these things are distracting him from his peace, but he doesn't realize that he's the one creating all of these distractions because mm-hmm. his daughter's only distracting him because he has his daughter working on this bullshit play. The Birdman thing is only chastising him because the Birdman thing is like, why are you doing this bullshit play? Yes, are you fun? Like, go back to being, go back to being what you were. Like you had a good life. You had a wife that loved you, and you were throwing knives at her because, <laughs> because of whatever. She didn't admire you, and his wife says that to him at one point in the movie. You you confuse love for admiration, and the whole time he's looking for somebody to admire him. And by the by the time he gets to the end of the movie, he realizes how unimportant he is. He, he tries to kill himself on stage like his character does in the play, but he fucks up and he ends up just shooting his nose off and becoming even more of a caricature of himself because they go to write about it in the paper and all that. And I think he finally realizes like, bro, it's all bullshit. Why was I... Why was I wrapped so wrapped up and anxious about this dumb idea that I think was important, even though everybody told him it was important and all of his circumstances were telling it it was unimportant, but he was ignoring it. Yeah, and you know, and it's a cute little vanity piece for white people to get their panties up in the uh, in a bunch. So you know, it's good for that. You know. 
I think it's interesting that you know that you say that too because the movie is directed by a Mexican guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alejandro Enrique <laughs> and this is uh I saw his other movie. I know he's done a few movies but I, I saw his other movie. He he also directed The Revenant and it's like that movie don't have doesn't have anybody that's not white in it either. So <laughs> I like I found it interesting that these were the people that he chose to do his movie with. And he said he's a sellout. He's no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I just think it's interesting that this is what he's making the movie about because he even says he like the Emma Stone character says at one point in the movie, like this shit is just stuff that for rich white people to think about before they go and have cake after the play is over. Is exactly what this movie is. (laughs) Yeah, well, because it's a meta commentary on what the movie's about. Like, like is the movie saying anything important and profound? Like, if you look for it, maybe, but not really. Like, it's just a movie at the end of the day, and that's the point. It's like the play that they're doing in the movie and the movie itself. Like, they're both a commentary on each other about how neither one of them is really important, but yeah, you can still try to make art because the movie itself is an artistic statement. It's all shot as one shot. It's, it's, Mm. um, it, it's, it's doing something interesting with the Birdman character, like making it a, uh, a manifestation of the rigging character's mind, but at the same time, he's doing weird stuff around him. Like he's turning off the TV and he's destroying this room. And it's like they show you in one on one hand, he's actually destroying the room himself, but at the same time, he can fly at the end of the movie. So it's like what's real and what isn't. And you know, I I think it's it, it's it's saying some interesting things about like you know what we as people make important to ourselves and mm. like you know if you're looking for meaning in life it's like well why are you doing that like because even if you if you find what you think means something it it's not going to mean what you thought it was going to mean before you found it. Yeah, and I think you know when you have a star-studded cast like that, it's hard to make a terrible, a completely terrible movie. So it's like, well, even I think that the script could have been completely trash, and they would have found, you know, they would have worked it out in some sort of way. So you know, shout out to them for that. Shout out to my man for getting that cast or whatever. What's my man name? Alejandro uh, Fernandez or something. Yeah. <laughs> what? Not <laughs> Alejandro so, um... Gutierrez. So like I, I <laughs> so I I wanted to talk about this movie because you know we're we're at the end of of the self help month and you know we we went through we went through the first first book of the month was breath you know we talked about that and then we talked about outwitting the devil and then Fifty Cent tried to teach us how to hustle harder hustle smarter and I think this movie and this book the Dao De Jing kind of comprises all of those ideas because his character in the movie in the beginning he's meditating he's trying to find some peace like that's you know what the breath book is trying to help you with in some parts and you know his character is into um eastern philosophy and and or religion like that's shown with you know some of the um symbols and things that he has in his dressing room in the movie 
And then you have this Birdman thing that's like following him around in the in the movie, like he's having this internal dialogue. And that's kind of like what the Outwitting the Devil book was was talking about. And, um, you know, the, the money comes into it, too, because he's doing all of this to make this play. He's getting his 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 uh, agent involved. He's getting all of these people to invest money. He's investing his money. And it's like in this vanity project, that's bullshit. And it's like it's hemorrhaging money up until they finally get the Edward Norton guy into the movie and then he wants to into the play rather and he wants to fire him at the first hiccup and like that's the interesting part about the that the movie is trying to say too because in the beginning of the movie everything is going his way he says i don't want this actor in the in the play any anymore a light falls on his head and he's incapacitated then he says i want an a-list actor to just show up and next thing you know, a knock's on the door and they say Edward Norton is downstairs and he wants to be in the play. And he finds a problem with both of those things immediately. And it's just like, that's what people do. It's like, we say, oh yeah, my life would be better if X, Y, and Z happened. X, Y, and Z happens for you, you're still not fucking happy. It's like, my life will be better if I got some money and this, that. You get money and then you realize, oh shit, money doesn't make you happy. Like, that's what the movie's trying to show you. Like, well, I think it also shows you, it's like, um, the desperation of like wanting something too bad because it's like, you know, you, like you said, you wanted this guy and this guy is just causing trouble at every. Like, it's not just that he just wants him gone. Like, this guy's making trouble for him. And it's like, he didn't even think to like, oh, yeah, let me interview him and see who he is. It's just like, oh, my God, he's he's so talented. Like, he's starstruck just at the fact that it's like, yo, this is how you fix, like, your piece of shit writing. And it's like, oh, yeah, give him whatever he wants. And it's like, every t- <laughs> every sense of attorney, he's fucking up. Like, this nigga is drunk and shit on set. So he's like, all right, like, I'm going to try to smoothly, like, you know, so he don't get too drunk. And then it's like, you take away my genuine piece of shit. Like, he just starts going off or whatever. And, you know, it's like, every sense of the term, this guy's causing trouble. Like, he's trying to rape the chick in the middle of the scene. Like, he's trying to have sex with his daughter. Like, it's like, you know. It, he's like, just a menace. It's he's, like... a, he's a menace the whole entire time. But it's like, you know, you wanted this thing so bad. It's like, you didn't think about the consequences of potentially adding this new variable within the mix. So it goes to show you like how impulsive people can be when they really have their eye, their mind fixated on, you know, a goal, but like not really understanding like why they want the goal and, you know, fleshing out what's going, what's going to be the end result of getting this goal. Right. And I, I think, you know, like taking it to the Dow, like I first found this book like a year ago it was really profound to me because of how it explains, you know, nature, natural phenomenon, you know, different things like that. It describes it in a way that was very clear to me after going through it a few times. But I think for some people, I know Steve, you tried to get into it this week and you said you didn't know what he was talking about. And I think that's the point with especially this book with how it's written you're not supposed to get it the first time and like even if you go through it a hundred times you might get something different about it 
Um, that's why it's been reprinted so many times in different languages. It's been translated. Like, you know, you get, you have other versions where like, they'll give you like the towel of poo or the towel of this or the towel of that, because they want to try to invite people to uh, meet them at their level of understanding. But the whole idea of, um, of the Tao, uh, when I first came across it, it was like explained as, you know, it's the way, like you can describe it as the way things are, the way you should act, like the way you should be in the world or whatever. But the more I went through it, I said, that's not, that's not really what it means. And um, I found this commentary that I think is a, is a probably the best way that I've seen, I've heard it described. Unformed, ungraspable, pure conscious principle lies at the heart and origin of all things. It is referred to as the Tao. This principle moves, expands, descends into form, creating the hierarchically, organically ordered cascade of worlds and phenomena called the 10,000 things, or simply the great universe. And this movement, especially as it can move through humanity, is called death, virtue. At the same time, there is a great tide of return to the source, back toward the undifferentiated, pure reality of the uncarved block. This movement is also termed Tao. Finally, the supreme whole comprised of both movements is also given the designation Tao. So with, with, with that said, does that make it more clear what he's talking about in the book or does it make you care even less about it? Yeah, um, I mean, that's cool. I'm just wait till they uh, do the hood translation of that. Like, wait till I can get a Farrakhan translation or whatever. Like, You know, with, with a lot of these like ancient wisdom books or spiritual books, however you want to categorize them. What I found, the more of them that I've read, and I, I try to find the oldest book possible to read just to see, you know, what the source of things are. And they all pretty much say the same thing. Like when you get to the root of it, they they say what that what uh, that commentary just said. Um, but like you just said, they say it in different formats and sometimes it needs to be translated for people to, to get it. Because what he just said is very clear to me. But to me, it also says the same thing in the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, whatever. It just says it in a different format. And I think people just have to find the format that works the best for them. And uh, to me, like, that's the idea that's in this book. I'm not saying that this book should be something that everybody needs to read or that you need to adopt it as your way of being. But I just found it interesting that the Riggin character in Birdman is clearly wrestling with these topics and he understands it to an extent because in one part in the movie, he says to this critic, like, you know, they're, they're having this discussion about, you know, what, what is a critic versus what is an artist and he says to her, you know, you just label my art. I'm actually out there risking something. And he sh picks up a flower and he shows her a flower and he says, you don't even know what this is. And there's a quote from the very beginning, the very first chapter in this book 
It says, ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one can see the manifestations. Now, to me, that's that's what the movie is about. Like, And it's showing you that in a lot of different ways. But the main character, Riggin, he doesn't even get that because all he has is desire. Even though in the beginning of the movie, he's meditating, he's at peace. And then as soon as he goes out of that peace, he just starts going into hysterics every time something goes wrong. And it's just like, bro, if you stopped wanting all of this bullshit so badly, maybe you would have that peace walking through your daily life. But he refuses to see that. But then at the same time, he wants to criticize everybody around him and see like, yo, why aren't you helping me with get my shit off? Like, like, what's the problem here? Like, yeah. don't you get it? And it's just it's just yes. funny because like like that's the subtitle of the movie, The Unexpected right. Virtue of Ignorance. Right, right. right. <laughs> he actually said that to the critic at one point, did he? Like, don't you get it? Yo, that's where boy got that from. Like, yo, that's that white boy corporate shit. Don't you get it? Like, who talks like that? Like, only an evil villain talks. Don't you get it? That's some wild shit to say to another person. Like, yo, this boy got so drunk at one point, like, he, like, fell asleep outside, like, just drinking gin all night. It's like, who is this guy? But yeah. yeah it's but yeah, as far as that book go, I'm going to the Dragonfly Jones uh, translation come out. We'll cop that joke. It's funny, and you know we we could kind of wrap up here because yeah. when I first came across it, I didn't read it. I I listened to the audio version, and the audio version that I found was like in a very slow rhythm, and it has like a lot of pauses and all of that, and. I found it easy to listen to and that I, I've listened to it a lot, like especially in the gym and shit like that. So it was good for me. But Steve, you, you found it boring, you said? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yo, like, why does this nigga keep telling me to be a woman? Like, it's like, like, what is that? Like, he said it like three or four times in the sample. I'm like, yo, he must have been a decrypt. Like, yo, I'm about to kill him with this woman line. I'm just like, like, I'm like, nah, I don't think so. so so I guess the, the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, like the whole thing that I said about the different spiritual books, how I, in my opinion, they all pretty much say the same thing. The characters change a little bit. The format of the words change. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that they all are offering something different? I mean, definitely. And you could definitely tell, like, there's a source to like, you know, all of them. And then, you know, at some point, like, I mean, it even tells you that in the Bible, it's like, you know, quote unquote, Shim was the only person that didn't bastardize those teachings. So it, it's all coming from, you know, a, a set source, you know, and I'm not here to debate where it came from or who Shim was or who any of those characters were. But you could tell it's like you get, you know, away from that and some of it is bastardized. So, you know, that is, is you know, it's definitely all like basically telling you the same thing. I think it's interesting, like when people cling on to some of this stuff like they 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 get into like a book like this or whatever and like like the character in the movie and you want to just use it as like a backbone to to get your own bullshit off when really like all of these books are telling you to do something opposite of of what you do and you know we we had this conversation before about profits where you know you get a profit 
And like they come with a revelation. They're like, look, actually, the way y'all been doing it is wrong. Like you need to stop that behavior and do like this because this is the this is the truth that that was revealed to me by whatever. And you find like with this stuff, it's like people like those ideas, but they don't really want to change. Mm-hmm. It's like 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 Riggin, like he likes the idea of meditation and the and the Buddha or whatever he was into, because like they don't explicitly say what he's into, but he doesn't really want to change from who he is. Like, like his daughter says in the movie, it's like, you want to be relevant? Well, get on fucking Instagram or Twitter or whatever, if that's what you think is relevant. But don't make a play about some shit that happened 60 years ago that nobody cares. Yeah. Like, just live live your peaceful existence and be happy. Like, be happy that you got the Birdman shit off, if anything. Like, like that was one of my biggest takeaways. I'm like, this thing is not even happy that he was a global phenomenon. Like, he can't even appreciate that. It's like most people, like, want... They want some level of recognition at some point in their life or something. They want people to say, like, hey, man, good job. And he had millions of people at the box office say like yo i want to see birdman matter of fact i want to see birdman 2 birdman 3 birdman 4 like i think if anything you got to be sylvester stallone with this shit you know what i'm gonna give you rocky he gave what do you, how many rockies he give you he gave you six rockies and then he was in the first two creeds and then he got off rambo multiple times it's like i'm gonna keep doing the shit that the people like because this is what they want from me they don't want you to do no art house shit if yeah, you're stallone uh- I think he knew that he wasn't no actor, though. Like, he's a better actor now than he was back then. But, like, that first Rocky is like, yo, come on now. Like, like that dude, he's not about to be, like, in no uh, Citizen Kane or nothing. Like, that dude could barely get a sentence off of that first Rocky movie. Yeah. Like, I think well, yeah, so well, by, the time, by the time he did... Um... By the time he did Creed one, he got nominated for an Oscar for pay, for playing that same part. So he could actually like, act in that movie though. Like he actually but, but learned I think that's act. the point. I think that's the point that like right. this Riggin guy. It's like maybe if you did Birdman six, by the time you got the Birdman six, it might be some art, and people would be like, "Yo, you know that Birdman six man? He finally got it." Like, Hell no. <laughs> Because, I like, the Birdman is probably, like, the same thing as Marvel. Like, that's probably what the Birdman shits was. It's like, you come in, you do a bunch of push-ups, you take your shirt off, and you shoot people or whatever. Like, that joke probably wasn't, though, like, no, like, you got to turn that into nothing. In regards to, you know, rating it, you know, like I said, I, I think it's hard to make a bad movie with all those star-studded actors, uh, act- actors and actresses, you know, so from, you know, the box line point of view, you know, I definitely give it, you know, three boxes. You know, I, I think it's a little overrated because, you know, like I said, white people, they love, you know, getting their panties up in a bunch for some shit like this. But, you know, like I said, from an entertainment standpoint, you know, that, that that's what I'm giving it. You know, as far as that book, go, I don't even know what to get. Wait, that's that's that three, th- three boxes out of how many potential boxes? That's five boxes. I, 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 three out of five is not bad. I'm more yeah. like four out of five boxes. Yeah. Like is, is is that when the tendonitis starts to kick in? Like around, <laughs> around, around four boxes. That's when your shoulders start hurting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like like for, for, for me, for me, like the movie kind of just like scratched like a couple intellectual itches that I, yeah. I, I liked. 
like because now with movies and stuff i kind of look at them for what what is the director trying to say what's the art what's the writer trying to say and i like to see did you execute it well and i for this movie i, I think they executed well for this book I mean, this is a five-star book. To this is a five-box book to me. Like you know, yeah. this is passing out on the box line. This, this, yeah. is, this is this is dehydration on that's the box you, line. That's you slip the disc right there. That's yeah, yeah, this, this is a, it's slipping a disc. Like yeah. I really, I really enjoyed this book. Um, it's definitely a book that you know I I think I'll be going back to for a long time. I, I still I still like to go back to it and um, apply some of the stuff to it in my life. But like Steve said. You know, if you're complete, if if this type of language is is foreign to you, it's it's very it can be very um, odd. You know, he's talking about very abstract ideas. He's not saying to start cross dressing, Steve. If yeah. That's what you were worried. No, about. it's like you ever get. I'm waiting for the Dragonfly Jones version. But you know, like I said, in regards to the movie, though, like that's the the only issue that I really like. Like I said, I have a problem with. Like I never felt like there was really nothing at stake here. So it's like it's hard for me. It's like you know, it, the shit that I've been through in my life. I'm like I'm looking at this guy. It's like this is a problem, really. So like that's like my only issue with it. It's like it's like there's, there's really nothing at stake here. So it's hard for me to be like that emotionally invested to be like, oh yeah, let me give it a four or five. You know what I mean? The last thing I'll say about it is like I like the fact that there's nothing at stake in the movie. Yeah. Like, like that's the part that makes it entertaining. Like this guy is so upset about this unimportant bullshit. I'm like, this is the most unconsequential thing right. ever. This terrible adaptation of this play that you wanted to. But you know, like, that... and they told him it's like, bro, you're not even in a good Broadway theater. Like, you're like the little shitty one, and you over here snapping about nothing. That is like the thing I like about it too. It's like that Birdman voice reminds me of Kanye. It's like, it's like, yo, you're a god. You're better than these people. Look at him. It's like, look, yeah, fly over everybody. Yeah, you, you yeah. God. <laughs> so maybe Kanye's been Birdman this whole time. He's like, I am Walt Disney, <laughs> Nike, Google. That's me. Yo, this dude—he's so delusional. He think you fly it. It's like he walks out of the cab, and the cab drivers follow. They like, yo, where my money at? It's like, yo, is he still drunk? Like, what's wrong with him? It's like, yo, cab fare, where money at? <laughs> well, so on that note, we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast there. We want to thank y'all for listening. We hope y'all enjoyed Self Help Month because next month we're gonna. We're gonna get to the nitty gritty. We gonna get to to some shit about money, finance, greed, wealth, all, all all of those good topics. So stay tuned on the Last Men Pod. And we want to thank y'all for listening and like, comment, subscribe, all that good shit. We'll see y'all next week. All new episode.